Hey, Timmy. James, I've got something that I want to show you. Uh, Can you is, guess what it is? Is it the same thing you showed me when I arrived? <laughs> no, it's something different. Okay. Um, what What is the one thing that this podcast is all about? Uh, I'm going to stop you right there, mate. It's synthesizing engine noises. Okay, okay. I was going to say something dramatically different, but okay. Uh, okay. Um, I saw a video on the interwebs this week that I think is going to tickle your fancy. Okay. Um, this is uh, a YouTube guy called Aphelion mm-hmm. who makes some tunes, and he says that this is his first endeavor into sound design which what true is amazing because <laughs> i think it's pretty good um what i see on the screen there are three instances of serum yes um this man i assume he's a man has uh, retraced the sound of <coughs> v10 v8 and v6 engines from formula one cars in serum i as- you believe i also assume he is a man yeah, well, I, don't, I know. I don't think it's crazily sexist to assume that. I mean, I'm open-minded, mate. Who yeah, knows? it's just let's make an assumption right off the bat. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. The patriarchy wins again, mate. Um, would you like to hear these uh, fake engine sounds? Of course I would. Let's have a listen. Mm. Sounds a bit too tonal. <laughs> I think... Point one does sound a bit tonal. Okay. I assume this is V8. Who knows? I have no idea. Now, this is the one I really like. Oh, that's nice. That's gnarly. Sounds like a strimmer. Yeah, it does. So there you go, mate. What do you think about those? I mean, for someone who's never, you know, designed sounds before, apparently, uh, I think he's got the formula. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was I was incredibly impressed, mate, because you, in, especially in video games, you hear a lot of crap engine sounds. Mm. And even before I knew that he wasn't really much of a sound design dude, um, I thought they were really, really good, man. And what, um, what I want to see is how he did it because I want to know the knowledge so that I can then incorporate that into my own thing. You know what I'm saying? Into your own engine emulation. Well, maybe not engine emulation, but just into my sound design knowledge or whatever. Maybe one day I'll make a video on how to make some engine noises and get paid for it. Yeah. That's what it's all about, buddy. Well, basically, if if this guy can get to uh, where you've got in 20 years in about three days, then I think there's, uh, you know, there's hope for you. May I couldn't, I could not, I wouldn't know where to start synthesizing an engine noise would you uh i guess i'd start with a noise oscillator but that wouldn't work he hasn't no he hasn't used noise oscillators Ah. by the the look of it in fact let me me... if if you listen to an actual engine there's some noise in there. oh there is there is noise in there it looks like he's using noise oscillators and also dual uh Saw oscillators? I mean i don't even know dude it doesn't some of these don't even have filters on i just I'd, I don't know. I'd expect a nice sort of resonant spike like a diesel engine would have, you know. Like... Okay, well, I just, I wanted to say that I'm very, very impressed with that. Right. And I think this guy has clearly got talent or whatever. I mean, I was just blown away, really. Well, his sounds are Formula One. Yours are an old banger. <laughs> That's right. Stock car race, mate. I grew up in Essex, mate, so I have been to a stock car event, and uh, let me tell you, that's what real uh, 20th century culture was all about, buddy.
Welcome to Appetite for Production, back again with Tim Kent and James Russell, the Dick Dastardly and Muttley of Music Software. Who is Dick Dastardly and who's Muttley? I'm definitely Muttley. Let me tell you, do Tim. You, do you, have you got a Muttley laugh that you can do? Childhood asthma is no joke. Um, I think of myself as the Hooded Claw from... Um, uh, what was the spin-off of uh, Wacky Racing? Oh, Catch were a couple the Pigeon. Of, hmm? Catch the Pigeon? Okay, let me stop you right there, James. Catch the Pigeon is the, is the lyric from the title song. The name of the show is actually... Um, I think, isn't it Dick Dastardly and Muttley in their flying machines or something? Um, God, you're pedantic. Another Wacky Races spin-off was Penelope Pitstop, and she had like a really camp evil... Yeah, this was... This was before political correctness, mate. And he camped an evil kind of like sort of deep south uncle. It was all, okay. who wanted to kidnap her all the time. Uncle Wink Wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty creepy, mate. But he's like, oh, Penelope. And that's my, that's my vibe, basically. So, can, yeah. can we get on with the intro, maybe? No, no. Okay. What, uh, tell us what's up, dude. Apologies if uh, there's some fan noise on the recording today, because it is hella hot it right now. It was the hottest day of the millennia uh, yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true. But yeah, it was really boiling, man. Yeah, but we're going going to sweat it out and uh, talk about some crazy software. No, let's keep talking about how hot it is, because there's nothing I love more than listening to podcasts and just keep hearing people talk about how hot it is. We will say no more about the uh, drips of sweat. Oh God, yeah, let's stop. I'm going to stop you right there again. Uh, No more of that. Tim, somebody played Goldeneye. No. Yeah. It's true, is it? But this man played Goldeneye using a MIDI keyboard. That isn't the craziest uh, MIDI controller to video game thing I've heard of, but it does sound pretty freaking crazy, mate. Because Goldeneye, I don't know, man. I found it a tough game to play, even with an N64 joypad, which is clearly (laughs) the the most sensible uh, and ergonomic control interface ever designed for a human. (laughs) It was a ridiculous joypad, that's true. But (laughs) I I really like it. I like it because I've got three arms. So (laughs) it really felt like it was a sensible idea. Um, The interesting thing about it is that he kept the piano sounds from the MIDI controller. So not only does it control Goldeneye, there's a bit of uh, background music. Check this out. This This is is a YouTuber called Jackson Parody. Okay. He's played basically the first level. Damn. Oh, God damn. Let's have a look at this. Oh, look, okay, so we've got an annotation showing what keys go where, basically. Yeah, so specific keys. How is he keys. controlling the analog stick with a note? Oh, uh, he's got Velocity. right, down, left, and up. Oh. <laughs> and he's playing along with the intro sheet, and this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, so he's obviously got sort of piano keys that are hooked up to things that aren't going to change, aren't going to control anything. Mm-hmm. Oh... Oh, here he goes. He's selecting the mission. He's uh, which mode is he going to do it on? He's going to do it on agent oh, mode. Oh, what a lightweight! <laughs> this guy's on another level, mate. So he's playing his MIDI keyboard to make some music while, while, while waiting. Yeah. Here's a blast from the past for you. Oh man, this was a great game. It really was. 
And this level was good. It's a, a, it's a design classic. There's a dude made of polygons who is completely flat. Okay, here we go. He's moving. He's moving. He's over the bridges. He's just running past everyone. Is? He's just running past everyone. He's letting oh, them kill him. Oh, I see. He's not good enough with his MIDI keyboard skills. Why is he actually shooting everybody? He, he's, he doesn't know how to play Goldeneye, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> what a noob. <laughs> There's a guy you behind see, that box. Guy behind... No, no, he's just run past him. You see, on agent level, you don't have to, like, interface with all the computers and stuff. He's going to press a button here, though. Oh, there uh, we go. Oh, uh, got shot with his Soviet rifle. Security gate A closing. Oh, God, that was always the worst. Do you remember he's, doing this on 00 agent? Man, I don't know if I ever managed to do it on 00 agent because I was crap. Oh, he shot someone. He's picked up the K K7 Soviet or whatever it is. I think he's chosen the notes that are going to control things really well because it all seems to be in key. Well, yes, but if you just use white keys for everything, that's not really that hard, is it? He's, he's on the dam. Well, he's, he's pressing C to go forward, mate, so I think that counts as he being is, in C major. He is running into a lot of walls. I know, but that's how that's how Pierce Brosnan <laughs> did it in the film. He that's was always true. bouncing off the walls. <laughs> oh, he's So he's on the dam. He's going to jump off. Oh, he's tossed himself off the dam. Brilliant. I, I did that many times as a teenager. Oh, mate, I couldn't stop tossing myself off. And then now we're getting the outro where you see him from various different angles. Yeah, that was off. that was genius at the time. Yeah, mate, it was next level, buddy. Wow, that's actually James Bond from different angles. Yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. Doing yeah, the yeah. same thing over and over again. <laughs> now, unfortunately, he wasn't ballsy enough to do facility. After oh, them. mate, facility's hard enough with the joypads, man. I mean, maybe he couldn't take the big MIDI controller into a toilet with him. I get very frustrated by escort missions, mate, and I consider doing this podcast with you like a big <laughs> escort mission because you're just constantly running into, you know, <laughs> do crouch wood, wood chippers and stuff. I do crouch on the floor and put my hands above my head <laughs> several times. <laughs> it, I feel like it is, you know, you're showing deference when you do that, so I, <laughs> so I enjoy it. I'm pretty impressed by this dude, man. There's a lot of very talented people on YouTube, man. Yeah, I mean, you can't knock it, you know? He's... Uh... He's hooked his MIDI controller up to an N64 emulator and he's uh, played some Goldeneye. Yeah, man. Well, kudos to this guy. Can we remember what he's called? He's called Jackson Parody. Jackson Parody, kudos to you, buddy. You're smashing him. Tim. Yes. The world. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's in a great place right now, mate. Thanks for reminding me. Gaia. Yes, Mother Earth, mates. As we know, Tim, the world is an instrument. Oh, I've never really thought of it like that. But, you know, it does rotate, much well, like an oscillator. Well, it is an instrument now, thanks to Spitfire Audio. Ah. Oh, the Spitfire guys. Yeah, check this out. This is uh, Spitfire Audio Orbis, which uh, sounds a lot like a service station off the M6. <laughs> or a chewable gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but actually, no, no, no. It's uh, an instrument that uses the world as its sound source. Ah. Oh, are we going to hear the music of the spheres, James? Uh, it's certainly going to hear the music of one sphere. <laughs> Can't I hear the music of both your spheres? <laughs> okay, here we go. Orbis. Go beyond the orchestra. Finally. A rainforest. Look oh, at that mate, rainforest. This imagery is right up my alley, by the way, buddy. 
Clearly shot with a drone, probably licensed from someone. Born from organic performances, captured by a legend, Dave Fanshawe. Oh, I've heard of Dave Fanshawe. Ah. Oh, yeah. It's, honk, honk. it's a nice deviation from the usual Spitfire audio stuff, isn't it? Yeah, man, they're going outside their comforted zone, which is like, oh, look, we've got a bit of New York now, it looks nice. Yeah. What? New York's part of the world? This ain't just the natural world, my friend. I thought the entire world was made up of rainforests. What's going on? Orbis. Dave freaking Fanshawe. Well, according to Spitfire, Orbis reimagines the work of David Fanshawe, an English composer, sound explorer, and ethnomusicologist. Uh, no, 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 this is interesting, James. Okay, like, okay. This is, this, is, this is one of the three things I'm actually interested in. All right, so how would you use this? I really, really want to start changing up some of the sort of sounds that I use because, mate, I just... I just, you know me, mate. Mm. Everything I do is mind-bogglingly de derivative or whatever. Yeah, your your perfect tune is the most generic '90s drum and bass Ex tune exactly. ever made. Exactly, everything's got to come out of a '90s Japanese sound module. Um, I am familiar with Dave Fanshawe because uh, on one of my favourite uh, house records from the '90s. I, uh, I on the 12-inch, I saw that his name was credited on the back because they sampled one of his ethnomusicology recordings. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I'm all into this shiz, mate. Um, I mean, I just like some sort of ethnic chanting or whatever. But, like, mate, if they're going to take it to the next level and have all of this crazy earth noises, I'm pretty into it, dude, or whatever. I mean, you know, yeah, I yeah. want to broaden my, my actual horizons. Basically, what they how it works is they've got what they call two sound bays, uh, each designed to create different sonic treatments. I prefer and to call them sound boos rather than sound bays. Very well, know, whatever, old. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <clears throat> you get uh, to control trim, bend, glide, clone, tune, ADSR. You can control your clone. Damn right you can. Wicked. And uh, I think I think it's nice to see them. I mean, yeah, it is beyond the orchestra. James, I'm going to ask you for a frank and full explanation now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think this is something that is actually going to be useful compared to all your, your regular rise and hit, impact... Uh, and orchestral romplers. Do you think this is going to catch people's imagination? Yes, I do. Because the only thing that has ever captured people's imagination truly is something new. Mm. All those Ryzen hits and serums and whatever, they were all new once. And they all did something differently, and then everyone came to copy them. Maybe someone will be copying uh, Orbis in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very interested to try this out. So, James, why don't you try and get me an NFR off Spitfire Audio? <laughs> uh, I am not going to try to do that. Okay. Um, for people who actually have money, how much does this cost in terms of clams? Well, at the moment, it's on a uh, intro price of 229 clam sterling, mm -hmm. rising to 299 clam sterling. So, you know... It's not cheap, but in compared to a lot of things that Spitfire Audio do, it's quite reasonable. Like 
I mean, I especially think it's reasonable now, considering that the clam sterling value is going to drop through the freaking floor imminently, mate. Yeah, so all, I don't know. Maybe it's a good time to buy while this offers on. All the Europeans can get it for like 20 euros, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like 20 grand in a couple of months. But, sure, sure. You know, this is a lofty ambition, but uh, certainly from the trailer... I think they've done a good job. It sounds really good. And I wouldn't expect anything any less from Spitfire Audio. And like, in all seriousness, James, I do feel like we've really got to save the planet and get in touch with our natural roots before, I don't know, the next 11 years. What do you reckon? I mean, I do also like industrial hellscape romplers. Well, mate, if you, know? you like cyberpunk dystopias, exactly. I like. <laughs> I want a contact instrument with the sound of like empty oil barrels, yeah, rolling along the floor because there's no one left to stop them. I tell you what, mate, just pop your <laughs> cardioid out the window, mate. In a couple of months, you're going to have all the dystopia that you can cope with. Okay, so James, it looks like I owe you a massive apology. That's right. Last <laughs> last episode, we started our Patreon campaign, and uh, it has gone fairly well. Yeah, I am as surprised as I've ever been about anything. So fair play, mate, I've yeah. got to say. You were expecting, you know, two people, both of which were your mum. <laughs> I, I did not think my mum was going to contribute to this. <laughs> and she hadn't. Thanks, mum. Um, no, but uh, yeah, in all seriousness, I thought we would have zero patrons. <laughs> but we have 12 wonderful people who have helped us out. And we need to show some love, I think. Yeah, I mean, seriously, guys, thank you so much. It really does mean a lot. I'm I'm pretty blown away, to be honest. I didn't I didn't think we'd get this kind of response. Um, yeah, it's just really positive and nice. It's like, you know, this is this is fun to do anyway without you know people caring about it. But it's lovely that people do care. You know what I mean? It gives us a warm fuzzy feeling in our bank accounts. I know it's a bit too warm for this fuzzy feeling right now, but <laughs> I do like the, I like the fuzziness basically. So immense thanks to Three ML, Alex Cummings, Paula Kipso, Bonnie, Chris Perkins, Johan London, Jonathan Davis, Michael Yentis, Michal Chikovlas. Pulp Stereo, Ruben Cornell. Eh? Big up, guys. And Sumerki. Yeah, fair play. Amazing work. Thank you from the bottom of our everythings. And thank you from the heart of my bottom, guys. Yay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know, it's just really exciting. And it's like... Oh, I'd just like to... Can you imagine, James, if we could do this shit without, without having to worry about offending our various corporate entities who exactly. pay our bills and everything? I mean, dare, dare we dream about that? Exactly. If we ever have uh, enough money to really cover ourselves, we will start chatting some real shit. And like, um, and this, <laughs> and this really goes a long way to like covering just like... Our hosting costs, which is the primary cost yeah, yeah, for we, making this thing, basically. It's, we not, got, it's not expensive to produce uh, in terms of stuff that's, you know, money rather than time. Uh, uh, yeah, time is pretty expensive for me. You just get to sit here talking. <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. I have to do all the rest of it. I'm, you know, I got a lot of important shit to do, James. <laughs> My understanding is you just sit around all day. So, you know, I think that's fair enough. Um, anyway, if you do join Patreon or if you have joined us on Patreon... 
which you can do at patreon.com slash a4p podcast and obviously there will be links everywhere i can humanly put them mm. there is currently one bonus extra episode up there and after this episode hits you're gonna have a fun cool thing to do to be part of a cool thing we're planning which we'll talk about later oh exciting hell yeah oh yeah thanks guys thank you All right, Tim, waves. Yeah, you're going to have to be patient with me on this story, James, because we're going to talk about Abbey Road Studio 3 now, well, right? Well, uh, have you have you got some lyrics to wax? Uh, no, I was just going to say, I didn't know there was an Abbey Road Studio 1. Oh, so. <laughs> oh God. And like, I use Waves Abbey Road plugins, so you're really going to have to explain what's happening. No, here, this, no, no, no. This isn't version 3. This is Studio 3. Oh, okay. As in... I'm unable to read. <laughs> if, if you... Uh, it, uh, actually, it confused me at first. Uh, I thought this is version 3 of Abbey Road Studio. But no, this is Abbey Road Studio 3. As in, if you go to Abbey Road, you can go and record in Studio oh, 1. You can go and record in Studio 2. Or you can go and record in Studio 3. Although Studio 3 maybe is just a mixing environment. Okay. I can't remember. Anyway. Where, where did the Beatles record Block Rockin' Beats? Because that's the one that I want to record in. <laughs> uh, I think it was next to where the Rolling Stones did. You've got to fight for your right to party. Oh, man. God, that would be even better. Okay, okay. Let's talk about this plugin. Anywho, Waves and Abbey Road have uh, collaborated for a long time. Mm. This uses the Waves NX system, which is one of those systems that you put on your master bus and it allows you to listen through headphones uh, as if you're listening through speakers with sort of crosstalk and uh, what else? What Hang on a with, minute. With Where's, with... Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> Slow down, Einstein. Where's crosstalk coming into it if it's just modelling the speakers and the acoustic space of the room? I it, don't understand. It models the speakers. Yeah. It models the acoustic space of the room. And crosstalk is a thing that you need because you, if you're in a room without headphones on, you hear the right speaker a little oh, bit in your okay, left okay, ear. Okay, okay, okay. I thought it you, could be some mixer thing. Okay, you gotcha. hear the left speaker a little bit in your right ear, which you don't when you're on headphones. Okay. And you and I, one day, we're going to have the conversation about headphones, but it's not for today. Oh, God, I dread it. Waves have had this NX technology for ages, which does that, and that's fair. But now they have uh, decided to model Studio 3 of Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. So instead of just getting a generic space imprinted onto your headphone listening, mm -hmm. you're getting Abbey Road Studio 3's acoustic space printed onto your headphone listening. I mean, I don't know how anyone could make music without this plug-in, mate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we all, we're all just waiting for our bookings to come through at <laughs> Studio 3 before we put our mixdowns out, right? Sure, right? What do you think of this? Um, I am not a fan of this whole thing i attempted to use ik multimedia is it arc there one? Oh yeah um i m most of the times i set it up in various rooms i've been in i managed to fuck it up or whatever and just couldn't be bothered to, to um get it right or whatever i don't like the thing where they paint play noise sweeps very loudly because i'm worried <laughs> that my neighbors will think i'm turning into rtd2 um <laughs> i like I, you know, I'm old school, James. I like to understand the room 
and everything. On the other hand, I have seen people who've used these kind of sort of room treatment-y sort of things or whatever, and, and they've sworn by them. So I feel like it would be silly of me to just like write them off completely. Well, then again, you do have decent Adam audio speakers and uh, some acoustic blocks in your room. Some people just have headphones in a hotel room and uh, they want to get slightly better. They want to get uh, the yeah, monitor yeah, experience yeah, when they can't yeah, get the monitor yeah. experience. That's fair. There are quite a lot of plugins that do this. Tone boosters do a really cheap one called TBI Zone which I think is 20 euro clam. That which, is cheap. Yeah, which just you just whack it on your Matabus and it emulates, uh, emulates uh, proper monitoring setup in your headphones. Here's the thing, Tim. You can EQ your headphone response. That's fine. You can EQ for a room sound. You can add reflections and delays and stuff like that. You can make crosstalk, but you can never make uh, one speaker react with the same velocity and transient nature as another speaker. I just feel like this is kind of voodoo and I swear by referencing on multiple sets of speakers because James, as you're aware, you will never be able to perfectly appreciate... Uh, Are you, you going to talk about 90s drum and bass now? No, no, no. But James, you personally will never be able to appreciate 90s drum and bass. You weren't there, man. Um, <laughs> you will never be able to like get a, a perfect um, representation of a digital audio file to your ears because it will. All, there's no way to do that without plugging... <laughs> Uh, a Jack Matrix style directly Ooh, into your brain. You I would like that. Uh, oh God, I'd love that. Let babe. me put it to you, Timothy. Mm. The, the closest way you have to do that currently is to wear some fucking headphones. Yes. Uh, well, I would go one further than that. Oh. I would say that every different system you use to listen to an audio file gives you a different perspective on it. And the more you use, the better you can triangulate mm. its position and you'll get an idea of what it truly sounds like. You can like. calibrate yourself. I think at the end of the day, I'm not going to go too deep in on this because this is a conversation we've planned for many years and it's not going to come okay, out until okay. let's not, let's not 2032. Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah, you have to use a lot of different systems, but you have to know them. And even if they're mm. not good, even if you have a bad system, if you know it, yeah. and you're used to listening to the tunes you really know through that system, that's probably the best calibration you can have to mix anything. Absolutely. And I would say I've got some all right-ish speakers. I mean, they're still pretty low end in the grand scheme of things, but people have made better mix downs than I have on worse speakers. So, you know, I don't, I don't think chucking money, I think it's nice to have good monitors and especially decent acoustic treatment. I don't think chucking money is something that's necessarily going to solve all your problems. No. Mix down wise. And also if you and I went magically to abbey road studio three and tried to do a mix down we'd probably be less successful at it if we just went in blind than doing it in your studio here um not necessarily but probably i don't know i think i think there is a massive advantage into actually going into a decent treated studio especially if you've got some reference tracks with you i think uh -huh. that's that's the ideal solution well, yeah or but that's uh, why i'm talking about going in blind and yeah, just, yeah yeah just yeah walking yeah in yeah, there yeah, and yeah, doing yeah, it. yeah 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 sure 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 definitely definitely um, I mean, fair play to them for doing this. Um, I'm sure it will help some people and some people will get a lot out of it. I don't think it's for me personally. What about you? Is this the sort of thing that would uh, make you happy? Uh, I do do the vast majority of my stuff on headphones and 
and mm-hmm. I am about to, uh, oh, I'm such a jammy bastard, Tim, but I'm about to sort of wangle a little headphone roundup article. So a load oh, of. Oh, very nice. So I can try out all the best headphones and decide which I like the most. Oh, mate. And then oh. buy the ones that I do. Yeah, I would love to do that, mate. I would love to, oh, I'd love to get some yet higher end headphones than the ones I've got at the moment. And in the past, I used the Focusrite VRM box. Oh, yeah. Tell me about your experiences with that box. I liked it. It was good as a referencing thing. And um, it was, to be honest, the best thing about it was that I had a little external headphone interface where I could just... It's just a little box. Yeah, where I didn't have to pull the headphone wire too far away or anything. Mm. I could turn it up and down right on my desk. But the actual technology behind it was also cool. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing, uh, but it did give me a fresh perspective or several when I was doing stuff. Yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, maybe I should revisit this shit at some point, but I feel like I really need to learn my room a lot better, even though I've been here two years, which I suppose isn't loads in the grand scheme of things. I do move from room to room, and so I think having headphones that I know well uh, and getting new headphones that I will know well in the future is good, and I am going to use uh, something like this. Not this, but I think I'm going to use the Tone Boosters one just to get a sort of... I think stereo can be a real problem if you're not emulating monitors and you're just on headphones. You can make things too narrow because you think they're really wide. Mm. I will. Can I add a little something, James? Go on. I just want to make very, very clear. I have never, ever done a mix down, especially not a good one, without using my monitors and at least one set of headphones, including high end and low ones. And testing it on a bunch of other systems. Yeah. I think I think it is I just think that's incredibly important. And I would certainly advise people who are more noobs or whatever. Guys, just listen to it on a bunch of systems. It will tell you so much. You're very passionate about I'm, referencing. I'm really passionate about referencing, mate. I, I sincerely believe in it. And so the Abbey Road Studio 3 plugin from Waves. Uh, intro price, 99 clams. Normal price, 199 clams. I wonder what the sale price will be. 29 clamaroony dollary dues, mate. You can Definitely. L- look out for that in future. So, Tim. Yeah. It's philosophizing time now. Oh, brilliant. I have mm. a question for you. I have a question for me. And I also had this question for people following us on Twitter and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. The question is, what's your biggest weakness in music production? Okay, that's a big question, James. You don't have to answer it now. Okay. You want to hear some people's answers? Yeah, can, pl- uh... yeah, pl- I love learning about other people's weaknesses, mate. Cool. Um, so let's start with uh, Apollo Kipso. Uh, finishing things. Mm-hmm, okay. Now, yeah, finishing things is tough because... Uh, I think it's it's all about progression and moving on and uh, drawing a line under what you've done so far and saying, that's enough, I'm going to move on to the next phase. Yes, I would... I've got a counterpoint for you, James. Go on. I feel like it's something that I have struggled with over the years, which I'm, I feel like I'm getting a lot better at now, uh, especially recently, is... I think you can try and finish something for too long. I mean, I think it's I think it is important to stick it out with some stuff and finish it. I think it's also a really good skill to be able to just like bin something off. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've really been focusing on recently. And let me tell you, I've binned off a lot of projects, mate. <laughs> so I'm really getting good at that. So now, having said all that, there are some tracks which require a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, but 
that's not the norm, you know? Mm. It's not all tracks. A lot of tracks can be done a lot faster than most people do them in. Um, sometimes a good tip is to commit by uh, rendering to audio Ugh. so you have no temptation to play with a MIDI. Uh, render to audio and then start a completely new project in a different door. Oh, God. So that if you really, really <laughs> want to change the MIDI, you can go back and re-render. Oh, God, I hate that. But you've given yourself an artificial boundary to say, oh. no, as long as it's good enough, I'm going to keep going. Um, and then the actual sort of finishing. What about the actual sort of everything is done, I'm not going to work on this anymore. What about that? Have you got any advice? Um, I Well, here's my advice to that. I would say it's very, very easy to, to quote-unquote finish something, feel great about it, then send it to somebody, then listen to it days or weeks later and think, oh, my God, there was, there was a glaring problem with this. Mm. I would say my general advice is... Uh, once you finish something off, leave it a little bit before okay. you send it anywhere. Because I've sent, I've sent, I might have mentioned this before. I have had instances where I've finished a track, I've sent it to a label, they've wanted to sign it, and then I've listened back to it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a terrible mix down, <laughs> and the concept is poor. I need to recreate this entirely, and that has, uh, yeah, legit happens to me. So I think that is a a real danger. Mm, there's also. Um... It's also worth saying that if you're going to leave a track for a while, then you don't just have to do nothing. You can be working on plenty of other tracks oh, in the meantime. Sure. I mean, I think it's, I do think it's important to rest your ears like while working on stuff. But I also think it is important to have like a bit of a break just from a specific piece of music. Because the thing is, it's like a, if you say a one particular word too much, it'll lose all meaning. And I think if you listen to a piece of music again and again and again, especially if you're working on it, it will lose all meaning and it'll cease to have, you know, you'll cease to appreciate its sonic impact and its emotional impact as well. So I think that is really important to bear in mind, definitely. Okay, the next one comes from Electric Tuxedo. Uh, <laughs> Sick name. I, I think like they it. are they are some London-based um, musicians and uh, sort of educators. Um, oh, nice. Two words. Multiband compression, and I can I can get with that. I um, I agree. It's I, it's a very vague skill. I think multiband compression definitely has its uses. I rarely use it personally. I, there there is some stuff. There are some uh, some audio sources or whatever where it's really necessary. I try not to use it that much. Mm. Do you know how I use it? Tell me. Only ever really as two band compression. So okay. One band is for the bass, and one band is for everything else. And what sort of thing are you using on? Is this like a master thing or a? Um, no, usually it's a sound where the bass is literally gone out of hand. Mm. Um, but yeah, and we're, we're talking like, and this will be an audio recording, will it? Or will this be something coming from a? This will be source? basically in the mixing process rather than say in the mastering process. It, it is more thought of as a mastering processor isn't it yeah, i don't like using it for mastering i i think and i think it is a good way to get like a really full-on sound hmm. in mastering but not one that i particularly like so much i don't okay. think it's just like it's just like it feels like with multiband processing it feels like every part of the frequency range is fucking firing at you non-stop and everything yeah and it's like it doesn't. It doesn't sound very natural to me. It's really, really hard to judge, and I, I still mm. wouldn't say I'm competent in doing it. Is like, let's say, I have a four or five band 
multiband compression setup. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be. Yes, that's better than that, and that's worse than that. I'd just be sort of winging it. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, I think about how you usually get taught to use it. And it's like, oh, if you solo the bands, then you can hear them individually mm. and compress them individually. But then, what are you really like supposed to do? There's no supposed to with multiband compression. You can sort of you can pick out where the different energy levels are by selecting your crossovers at the right points by soloing them. But then what? There's not often a, like a good dynamic range um, a translation for you. I will I will only use multiband when I have a really specific thing that I want to use it for for, for the for the very reason that you're saying. Yeah. Um, like for example you you have a signal like say I, I used it on a project recently which is the only only time i can think of really that i've used it uh that i can remember properly is i used it on like um i used the double bass patch from contact factory library uh-huh. which is a pretty good double bass but you know there are times when you'll get a it's lot a bit, of mid- resonant yeah yeah you'll so you'll get yes so that resonance will give you a lot of energy mm. in the mids or whatever but then again you can use dynamic eq you know it feels a lot easier to do oh, something like that. I know. Like I think. I think one of the things, especially if you're playing stuff chromatically or whatever, I think you can get uh-huh. a bit of a bro- broader strokes with the multiband compression. Okay, that's fair. Um, one more thing about multiband compression, and another thing that ties in me with me using it just as a bass band and an everything else band. If you look at something like Isotope Neutron, it's mm. got like the tonal balance control. It has a um, it has a dynamic range indicator, which I think is just for the bass band. So it's analyzed a lot of commercial tracks and is giving you information about how dynamic your bass range is mm. compared to everyone else's. One quick tip that I definitely do know, uh, if you use different attack and release settings on your bass band, that's quite useful to know. Like if you have really quick compression on a bass uh, or a sub bass band, then it's going to it's going to distort it far more easily because if you think of a huge wide waveform and you're suddenly slamming in a a quick gain reduction on that, it'll square it off or make it into a sort of ramp as that happens, like a saw. So it's going to make it more transient and it's going to sort of add distortion more easily. So you could set up your multiband compression so the ratios and thresholds are all the same but you have different attack and release on different bands. That can be useful. So a longer attack and release on the bass to just treat it a bit more gently because it's a really long wave uh, wavelength sound. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's move right on. Um, Pulp stereo. Good old pulp stereo. We love pulp pulp stereo. stereo. Uh, Finding the wrong time for the right sound or the wrong sound at the right time. (laughs) (laughs) Let me think about this. Um... Yeah, I mean, sound sound selection and arrangement are pretty freaking important. Yeah. So it's really hard to disagree with I that. I guess you've got to be organized and you've got to have everything on hand so it takes the least possible time to grab the thing that you know you need. Yeah. I'm, go- I'm going through a period of um, just going through like splice and stuff and just getting sounds that I actually think I'm going to use or whatever so that they're right there. Do you reckon spending more time on sound selection is worth it in the final analysis? Oh my God, 100%, James. Um, I like sound selection, especially if you're making electronic music, 
it's of paramount importance. Mm. Absolutely. And it can make your life very, very easy or very, very difficult. Um, you know, and people, and we're going back to talking about what people are saying is, you know, sometimes uh, make, take ages to make tracks, sometimes happen very quickly. I think the tracks that come together quickly are typically the ones where you have a bunch of sounds that just sound nice together. Yeah. And I think, and that, and I think that, that is something I want to try and do more because mm. I spend a lot of time trying to get sounds that don't work together or aren't even very interesting. Yeah. Putting those together and just spending ages trying to make it work. It's never really going to work to the extent that I want. So yeah, I feel that, buddy. Hell what, yeah. What do you think about this? It's one third skill, one third time and one third luck. Um, I just, mean... Just say yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Uh, okay. Ali Jameson says, "Exma, thanks." <laughs> yeah, uh, as helpful as always, there, Ali. Cheers yeah, for that yeah, name. Really nice. Nice to know. I didn't know you had Exma. Uh, Will Helliwell from the uh, Composer Cast, which is a pretty good podcast, which I need to listen to more. He no, says, no. "Hi guys." He says, "Finding the right synth. I always catch myself trying to build the perfect thing and forgetting about the music writing." Mmm. Yeah, I mean the thing is, once you've got the right sound, for me it feels like the music kind of writes itself. I mean, I guess if if you're if you consider yourself a composer or whatever, that's a bit different to being a producer who makes electronic music or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the thing is for me, once you've once you've got the right patch, it almost feels like the music writing is a formality. I mean, you know, that's uh, from the producer's pers- yeah, perspective. Like, you know, Look, let me go off on one here. Mozart and Beethoven. <laughs> Nothing's like, ever stopped you before. Are fine and everything or whatever. But they didn't have to deal with sound selections. You know what I'm saying or whatever. And also, they never really had a really kicking bass line in any of their tunes. So, you know, nice try, guys. <sighs> carry on. So many things wrong about what you just said. <laughs> well, I don't think there are, but carry on. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and finally, Johan London. Big up says getting the kick and bass to sit in the mix right oh hells yeah it's it's the number one yeah you gotta focus on that shit buddy um hell yeah okay here is my different perspective on kick and bass oh okay imagine two waves you add one wave to the other wave and what happens I don't know. You you get a new wave? They sum to a new wave. Yeah. If they're in phase, then you'll have uh, louder. Yeah. If they're out of phase, everything will go quieter. Your kick and your bass, your low frequencies, are very long waves. Yes. If your bass is at 0 dB at its highest, and your kick is at 0 dB at its highest, if you sum those together, what are you going to get? You're going to get clipping, and it's not good. If you can get those two waves at zero dB to live together at the same sort of time, Mm. you don't get clipping. So, hang on. What's a girl to do? (laughs) I don't really understand what you're saying. Well, you're not as scientific as I am. (laughs) Whatever you do, if you cut with EQ, if you do anything, if you're trying to put a kick that spikes to 0 dB and a bass that spikes to 0 dB at the same time, it's not going to work. You could, for example, move the bass very slightly later. No, this is terrible you advice, could move James. I totally the bass, disagree. You can move the kick very slightly later. Uh, timing is one way to do it. Look at your waves, zoom into the waveforms, and see what's literally happening. Are they going to summon clip? 
And how can you stop that? No, happening? I think you want them to be in phase. And if they and if they go if they're clipping, you turn them down or let them clip because clipping is sick. No, you sidechain as well. Oh, you've got you got side can ch- chop a massive wonk out of the base in order to get the kick, and you still get your 0DB base and your 0DB kick. Look, let me break this down Mixing is all about loudness. Let me... Uh, yes. Uh, let me break this... Well, it's not all about loudness, but... It look, is. Let me break this down for you, James. Uh-huh. You've got to tune the sounds, right? Yeah. This is very important. Oh, no, maybe. that's true. That's true, but... you got to... you got to... Okay, look, I'm not the, done. I'm not done. you got... they got to be... they got to... they got to... Okay. First I'll off, give you space. You can talk. You okay. can think... They've got to be sympathetic sounds. They've yep. got to vaguely sound nice when they're played together, even if they haven't been tuned or enveloped properly or whatever. Then you've got to do the tuning. They're, you know, and any kind of like stuff or whatever. Um, I think it's very important. And also, you know, you maybe want to like sort of sum them together with some like compression or whatever. It's very important to just try moving stuff around backwards and forwards, like you say, or just flipping the phase or whatever, inverting the polarity, I should say, because sometimes that will solve all your problems and you'll go from something that is having, uh, you know, neg- negative like interference to something that is just like big, round and bolshy and sounds great, mate. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Here's the thing. You've just helped me crystallize my point. Okay. If you are thinking about kick and bass in terms of a spectrograph, looking at the monofrequency analyzer and saying, it's okay, the kick is below the bass, or the bass is below the kick, that's not going to work on its own. Hang on, explain that's that. That's the can you, wrong can, way to think about it. Can you explain that again to me, please? If you're looking at an analyzer, trying to make sure you tune the kick down and the bass up so they're in different ranges... So what you say, your bass, your sub is sitting on one octave and the kick is sitting on the, like the harmonic above, essentially. Yeah, or, or wherever, as long as they're out of each other's ways. That's what we're often told to do, and that's fine, but that on its own isn't going to do it. Because recall what I was saying, look at the time domain, look at the waveforms. If they are still firing off at the exact same time and they both go upwards at the exact same time, they're going to sum and they're going to clip and you're going to have to turn them both down, which is what you don't um, want to do. Okay. Which is why you need that side chaining. Tuning is fine. Tuning is going to make it sound better, but it's not going to help you get them both as being as loud as they can be. No, and here's, existing no, James, you have to use clipping to your advantage because the thing is, when you have a transient peak that clips very, very quickly, the human ear can't detect it unless it's totally crazy. Sure, but if you uh, do what I'm saying and make sure they stay out of each other's way, then you can turn them both up even further and take advantage of the clipping. No, I think ah. if, they're, if they're staying out of each other's way, you are getting you're getting negative uh, interference or whatever. Well, maybe, but you want to make sure you're not doing that oh no 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 okay look, what i'm let's... saying is don't just look at a frequency analyzer look at an oscilloscope of each one and see how they're going to mix with each other i okay it might sound zany but the the waveform that's what's really happening e, that, that's yes. the actual audio which is either going to get too loud or not and you have to make sure that's as loud as it can be this is okay this is true but ultimately the th- okay, the thing is, it's a bit different for me because I I put I run everything with a clipper on my master bus sure. or whatever, and I I for me I feel like it's only gonna re you're only really gonna be able to tell what's going on once it's gone through that process and everything. Yeah. So all of these visual things are very useful clues. Um, for me, ultimately, what you've got to look at is like you know, what you know, how it's peaking, what it's sounding like, 
when it does and all this sort of stuff or whatever. So, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. You, and the sound is the thing in the mm. end. But uh, if you're struggling getting your kick and bass working together, sound alone isn't going to help you. Um, Necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think it like ultimately, for me at least, it does come down to stuff like you say like moving stuff around very slightly changing the, the you know the start points of sounds and everything you know changes to to the maybe even amplitude envelopes that sort of stuff yeah or whatever. there's no one rule or anything but that's sort of mm. the general mm. idea you've got to make them work based on what the sound is there'll be a different solution mm-hmm. fair enough well, that was controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got strong views. I do, I do, I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's next? Are there more, more, more weaknesses? That that's all the weaknesses except ours. Okay, so what are yours? Mine is that you uh, don't actually like music. Mine is sound design for drums. Oh, sound design for drums, you say? So I can I can put drums together. That's fine. I can get a groove going, Tim. I can program. Mm. But let's say I wanted to make a snare more transient or more wideband or uh, give a kick more impact mm. or make uh, make a crash smoother, for example. Mm. Those are things that I can't immediately do because I don't have the, the fundamental basic knowledge in how drum synthesis is done i i don't think you really need to under like okay i think i think you need a general idea of what's going on in those sounds to be able to like that's that's what i don't really have that's the problem it's pretty simple mate a kick drum is a movement from a high frequency to low frequency very quickly scoopy sweepy pitch yeah that's basically it but you're you're gonna have some kind of you know sure but more 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 convoluted stuff at the start or whatever but because i don't really know the sort of drum synthesis staple techniques i I don't i don't know what the implications are to like uh, make it click more or add this layer or something like that that's basically I I just never know where to start uh by to tweak the sounds of drums. Well, I think that's something that probably comes with practice basically. I mean, I would say I'm pretty obsessional about drums. I rarely synthesize drum sounds from scratch. No, I'm not saying that I want to, but because I don't know how to do that, I don't know the sort of characters of the sound and how they mm. and therefore how they are and how to make mine like I want them to sound. Mm, you know, if mm. I knew how to make this weird 808 thing, and I thought I want this actual kick drum to sound a bit more like this weird 808 thing, then I know what to do with it. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. And what are you going to do about this? Nothing. Oh, okay. I'm just going to live in pain and complain about oh, it for ages. Sick. Oh, sick. I like What about you, Tim? Have you got a weakness? I have many weaknesses. Um... I mean, I think I touched on it earlier. I would say it's trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole is something that I try and do a lot. <laughs> I, I want to. I just want to give up more. Basically, um, I want to like you know, tr- you know, if I've got a sound and everything and it's not working, I want to now start just being like, now nah, this isn't working. I need to find something else. Basically, because okay. generally. I like I know I can do what I want to do and everything, but I just spend a lot of time frigging around with ideas yeah. that aren't good, you know, sounds that aren't right. You're that chasing that magic sound design dragon, and you're thinking the next the next tweak I make is going to make everything better. Well, it's not even it's not even a case of sound design usually because you know uh, 
a lot of stuff I'll do will be kind of like predominantly sample based or whatever. Just not the right samples, that mm. sort of thing. And you get to the point where you've got so many things and it's just not working, but you keep trying to add more layers yeah, of crap. Yeah, baby. This is, okay, this is the thing. Production is reduction, James. Ah. For, for me, um, what what I find helps is, well, like when, you know, when when a kind of like mixed down isn't working and ideas aren't working, I, you know, I'll try taking processing off. I'll try, uh, you know, meeting stuff and I'll just try and get down to the, the kernel of the musical idea uh-huh. and find whether that works or not, whether there's anything actually to that. And, it, you know, it can come down to something as simple as, the, you know, say I've got freaking two notes in a bass line or whatever, you know, you know, just the interval between those two notes, it, it, it can be it can be enough for the kernel of a song. The relationship in the in the in the tuning between a kick and a snare and everything, that sort of stuff. Like it really for me, it's the fundamentals that will cause the issues rather than all the ear candy and all the fizzy stuff on top. You know what I'm saying? Mm, wise words. Very wise words. Listen mm. up, everybody. If you've got any uh, problems you want uh, utterly solved by our sage advice that is never going to be uh, incorrect, <laughs> just let us know. Yeah, we, then we can argue amongst <laughs> about it amongst ourselves, right? Yeah. Wicked. Tim, it is time for Random Contact Instrument Corner. Oh, I've got to go and stand in the corner Blair Witch style, do I? Yep, and uh, I saw this um, recently. This is our friends from Sound Iron who mm. revel in doing really interesting contact instruments. Mm. This one is uh, Laundronium version 2. Finally version 2. We've been waiting for it. Now, I'm really starting to like Sound Iron because uh, this is a washing machine drum Contact instrument. Oh, about a ruddy time. Do you want to check it out? Okay, let's put some uh, credits in the washing machine. Is that right? Or, or is it tokens? Tokens? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, mate, I'm from a cyberpunk dystopia, so I use credits in my washing machine. Uh, would you like to have a listen to some washing machine sounds? Yes, please. Let's do it. Ooh. This is what it sounds like when I do my washing anyway, mate, because I'm so musical. Sounds cool, right? It sounds really lovely, actually. Oh, it's really reasonably priced as well. 29 clams on offer for 19 US clammies. It definitely sounds like a washing machine. It sounds like this is what... It sounds like when Enya does her washing, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, Tim. This sounds really good. I'm pretty sure it's going to get rinsed. Oh, my God, James. You clearly thought of that in advance. Fair Uh, play. 29, 29 clams, though, you know. Yeah. You, you've got to give it a spin. Oh, Jesus Christ. On offer for 19 US clams. I think that's pretty cool, man. You know, it's, I, I wouldn't have thought it would be a very stable plug-in, but it turns out it's got a block of concrete in the bottom. <laughs> makes it very hard to move. Okay, you're veering off into madness. Oh, one of these uh, audio examples has got loads more listens than the others. Should we have a listen to that one? Uh, yeah, popularity is... Yeah, uh, popularity is how, must how be you judge things these days. Oh. Ooh, that put is... the soap in. Set the timer. Oh, that's pretty good. You know, 
Mm? After you've got the sounds out of this plugin and you've rendered everything down. Oh, God. They'll probably be a bit creasy. So uh, I think they'll need a sound iron. Oh, God. Okay, that really doesn't make any sense. Okay, you've upset me now with your panels, James. <sighs> and I want to stop talking about this. But it does sound really, really good. Yeah, I, I really like what sound iron are doing. They're doing... Uh, Insanity Romplers. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm down with the weirdness, man. Let's just get crazy with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. How else would you... Uh... Survive. Unless yeah. you're going to get a little crazy, am I right? Exactly. And you need new stuff, a bit like that Spitfire thing was. You know, mm. you've got to start approaching these things from different ways. So, I love it. You've got to think outside the box. Or the drum, in this case. I mean the drum in, in a washing machine. Oh, I get it. Okay, okay. All right, let's talk about remix hits. Okay, let's do that. Uh, this is a new uh, thing. I'm going to call it a thing. Oh, it's a thing, is it? Basically, you can buy a pack of stems for a real commercial track. A real commercial track? A, what, a bit of music that somebody would have heard of? Yep. And you get the stems, and you also get a contact instrument uh, to sort of inspirationally play it uh, using your keyboard and get some ideas. Okay. You do also get the WAVs, so you could use those if you want, or replace it at the end, whatever you feel like. Give me those WAVs, buddy. And you get to remix it. Well, you don't, you don't own the rights to the thing or anything, but you get to remix it. Slight sticking point is that when you want to, quotes, release that... You have to upload it through their service. They have to host it. That's really a limitation that's been imposed by the record labels. Because mm. record labels are very conservative, as you know. Yeah. The big ones. And anyway, you can upload it to their thing and repost it and stuff like that. They should handle any royalties and give uh, some of the royalties to you, some of it oh, to the record labels. Oh, you do you? Uh, yeah, if your thing is successful. Do you want to have a look at what songs you can buy for it? Okay, I'm on remixhits.com. So these are pre-cleared stems that you can use in a remix. What do we got? We have got... Oh, my goodness. We have got The Final Countdown by Europe. A big tune. Uh, corn falling away from me. L-E-N, steal my sunshine. Okay, okay, right, okay, I'm going to stop you right there, James. It's not L-E-N, is it? It's Len. It's L-E-N. Um, we were, we were talking about steal my sunshine the other day, and I can't remember how you described it, but it really tickled me. I, I said it was, um, <laughs> I can't remember. What <laughs> it was it something along the lines of, you said it was like the... The quintessential post 9-11 piece of pop music. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11, pre yeah. Which I, th I thought that was very insightful cultural commentary there. Um, I hated Steal My Sunshine when it came out. Now, I absolutely love it. Why is it? I think it's um, it's a really good sample and it's really catchy. I think the reason why I might not have liked it is... Now, I'm going, this is a bit of a deep dive, James. But there was a UK 7-inch edit, radio edits... There just really wasn't as they kind of changed some stuff, and it really wasn't as good as the uh, proper US version. And uh, you know, I've become such a Len fan that I ended up picking up both CD one and CD two <laughs> of the single and the Len album, originally, which I have listened to in full. God, and it's it, there's some good stuff on there, man. I tell you what, guys, you check out Cryptic Souls Crew oh by Len. God. It is a bang, is James. You stop? have no, you are terrible at appreciating pop music. I'm sorry. Uh, carrying on swiftly. Men at work, down under. Oh, yeah. The Next. guess who American woman? I don't know what that is. 
the outfield, your love. I don't know what that is. And the pièce de la résistance, the cherry on top of the cake. <laughs> TLCs, no scrubs. Yes, a scene that we have discussed before. There the one that you said was boring, <laughs> I think. No, I said the cover version of it got repetitive. Oh, and okay. The cover version got repetitive. What's your take on the original? The original, fine. But uh, when it, when it's done in a rock style it, oh, okay. it just goes on and on. Uh, what song packs are coming soon? I've got to say, before we carry on, one of my favourite bootlegs of all time is a bootleg of uh, Shapeshifters' Lola's theme uh, with TLC No Scrubs folks over the top. It was done by a patron of ours, Ruben Connell, which ah. is, is an absolute masterwork. And I don't think it's available online anymore. So Ruben, maybe try and dig that one out, buddy. Yeah, if you send that to us, we'll play it as an outro for one of the, one of their shows. Nice. Um, what song packs are coming soon, Timmy? Uh, a bunch of stuff I've never heard of, buddy. Oh, um, I can see something that I know. Little Miss Can't Be Wrong by Spin Doctors, mm-hmm. which is a tune that makes my gonad disappear into my body when I hear it. <laughs> Black Rebel Motorcycle Club's Weapon of Choice. I'm not sure I could recognise that if you did it. Uh, Walk Like an Egyptian by Walk, the Bangles. Damn right. Uh, cheap Trick, I Want You to Want Me. I couldn't tell you if I know that one. What else? Anyway, we've got plenty of stuff okay, that's coming. Enough. And uh, do you want to just whack on the trailer video? Yes, mate. Here's what you get when you purchase a hit song pack from Remix Hits. Steal my sunshine. First, you'll get the original stems of the song in wave format, licensed directly to you. Great. Oh, thanks, so mate. If you buy, say, Europe's The Final Countdown, you'll be getting full-length wave files of all the soaring vocals, stadium guitars, pumping bass, Ooh, stellar yeah. keys, and massive drums the song has become famous for. <laughs> Got a generalization, but whatever. Interactive version of the steps that open with our virtual instrument release. Ideal for producers and live DJs, the interactive stems are key mapped and playable at any tempo or key, and presented in three distinct menus. So you get a context instrument. Exactly that. I'm not sure if that really is ideal for DJs, but whatever. Uh, you'll check it out. Okay. From the song, it can act as inspiration for your remix creation. Lastly, when you want to drill down further into one aspect of the song, <laughs> Steady. The single instrument menus contain both the curated loops from the loop suite and the full-length stem of an individual instrument. So you can focus on getting granular with sound design or chopping a particular section to your liking. With dozens of built-in effects and remix tools, opening a hit song pack and release is unlike any experience you've had before. And finally, each song pack purchase comes with a free official remix release. So, basically, you choose your song, you pay 29 US clams, which is the same price as a plug-in buy... Waves, oh my god. And you get all the stems, mm-hmm. you get a context instrument with the stems loaded that you can use to get inspiration, and the samples are cleared for your usage. But only if you're uploading it to, to their channel. You do have to upload it to their channel, but they're also going to handle royalties and stuff like that. You can promote it, and it's it does indeed have to be linked back to their channel, which is a disadvantage, but I'm sure that's because of the record labels, not because of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's... Uh, hard to overestimate how difficult major record labels can be. That's yep. fair enough. But uh, they've, I guess it's a case of getting a few little ones on board, showing that this pr- platform works, and then more might come on board. And as more people use it, there are more coming on board. As more come on board, more people use it. 
So, you know, they've... they've... Still talking about a snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what's necessary, and uh, it could be really great. It could be great. Will it be great, James? Uh, I think it will be, because uh, we've uh, we've had a little conversation with these dudes. Oh, the kingmakers in full effect. Yeah, what yep. are we going to do for them? Well, uh, in a bonus episode that's going to come out after next episode, we are going to remix No Scrubs. <laughs> right. As a techno tune. Oh, really? That's what we're going to do. Okay, then. Any thoughts, Timmy? Uh, right. I'm, I have many thoughts, James, all bubbling up. Yeah. Um, I think if we're going to remix No Scrubs as a techno tune, we need to do a really good job of it. Yeah. Uh, because well, it's a classic. Well, that's lucky because I'm going to give us one hour to do it. And we're going oh, to put, put it on YouTube. Oh, God. So, okay. You can look forward to that in about three weeks' time. The other thing we're going to do, we're going to get a few samples ahead of time, distribute them to Clam Club members to uh, manipulate in whatever way they want, and we have to use them in the track. Oh my god, this sounds like a recipe for absolute disaster, James. This is Ready Steady Cook, but with a techno remix of No Scrubs by TLC. <laughs> Well, if you were thinking about becoming a Clam Club member from only a dollar a month, um, now, now would seem to be the right time to do it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can look forward to that, Tim. Are you going to get apprehensive from now? Yeah, man, because like I, we were talking about how you know you should make tunes in a hurry. I typically spend about 40 hours plus on a tune. Ah, it's so. <laughs> not necessary. Those, those final 39 hours are basically there, just It's the gravy. last 98, it's only the last 98% yeah. in those 30 hours. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, we're going to give it a go and we're going to stick it up as a podcast episode, a regular podcast episode, not just a clam exclusive one. And on YouTube, we're going to see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I do really want to do a good job on this because I don't want to look like a tit. Well, I can't really help you with that. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, Tim, it's time to go for another couple of weeks. Uh, have you had fun today? <laughs> go back in my cage. Uh, yes, I have had fun today against all the odds, James, that, that you've stacked it, uh, against my favour. That is brilliant. We will catch up with you in another two weeks, but for now... This outro music is uh, from Clam Club member Johan London, and it is a track called Warm Blood. You're going to listen to it as our outro music, and then at the end, we're going to give him some feedback on it. And if you want your music to be played as outro music, all you got to do is hit that Patreon button, my friend. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy these haunting strains. Take care, guys.
so weak Need your love to keep you satisfied That's all I see It's all I see And in the dark When all is cold I find you I feel your, I feel your, I feel your warm blood running wild underneath your skin I feel your, I feel your, I feel your warm blood running wild as it pulls me in Fading fast Love like this never lasts but I would kill for it I feel your warm So, James, what do you think about that, buddy? I really, really love this track. It is, uh, it, it feels very deep. Oh, like, okay. It seems <laughs> I like, know that's how you like it. It seems like it has uh, is a massively meaningful track, and it's not just some throwaway thing. It has meaning to it. You know, it tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, I mean, really great craft. Um, you know, it sounds like a proper pop song. Um, great it, vocal recording. Well, it reminded me of um, Freemasons' vocal style. And they, I feel they are really at the top of uh, the game when it comes to that sort of stuff. So that is high praise from Timmy. Yeah, I, as a track, that is uh, that can be a hit. That can be great. It, mm. It's um, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, there were some occasions where, and I have to, I have to stress, I can't be definitive on this because I don't know what the reason is. But it sounded like there might have been a tiny bit of audible distortion caused maybe at the mastering stage. Yeah, it's so I don't know. It depends on a lot of how this track has been treated, but we feel that we heard distortion in what may have been the vocal or it may have been the distorted synth underneath it or what were you saying tim that three things are sort of interacted th- at the same um, time th- yeah they're like when we so in the outro you get a bit of like a distorted 808 that you could hear like with intentional distortion on it yeah and it made me think like so if i if i was working on this tune and i had my clipper on the master and i heard that uh maybe master distortion i would I would try and troubleshoot it by saying, okay, my first thought would be, okay, is it the kick, you know, all bass elements 
the distorted 808 and the vocal, are they causing it to be too much for any uh, limiting or clipping on the master? Mm. But that that is very much a tech, just a you know a minor technical issue, whatever. And to be honest, mate, I've heard commercial stuff that has been <laughs> that has more audible distortion than that. Yeah. So that's that's really being kind of finickety. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, over, sure. Overall, really fantastic. I, I would what, say, who is this guy? Uh, he is a Swedish pop producer, Johan London. Yeah, he's he's sick, mate. It, <laughs> exactly, and he shouldn't be listening to us. He should be. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He should be. Uh, we should listen to his podcast. What's going on? <laughs> um, I would reckon that if it is the vocal pushing it into distortion, I would recommend turning the vocal down a bit, but using some serial compression techniques to no. actually give it the same perceived power. Mm. Um, depending how he's done it already, you can never really tell. But um, that's what I would do with that vocal. I would really scalp off the spikes and then run it through a, a gentler compressor. And I think people are all too quick to blame spikes. I think it's sustained volume levels, but carry on. I would bring it up in both ways, allowing the output of that track to come down a little bit and therefore it might not push into distortion as much hmm i mean but you like get a powerful of, vocal i feel like neither of us are qualified to offer this guy advice on his <laughs> vocal mixing because it sounds really really good yeah, yeah but yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah fucking fair play guys yeah sorry that we don't have uh any real criticism of that <laughs> yeah 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 but is uh, an exemplary uh use of both technical and emotional uh, intelligence in music mm, how about I, that also i think i think it is a really valid artistic choice to have the have the vocal really being what's peaking in the track yeah because if you're playing it on something like a small radio or phone or whatever it's really going to let you hear it and you know the vo- the vocal is the centerpiece of this tune so i think that's mm. you know that's a, a valid choice he's made there. 